I'm so glad to uh, be here. I've not been here before, but there's a wonderful spirit in this place. And um, Mary Margaret and I are delighted to find you in our neighborhood. And uh, perhaps we'll wander down the street and be with you again. Um, I understand this to be a place of conversation. Am I right? Okay. So what I'm hoping is that we'll have some conversation. Um, I'm just going to share some ideas, some, some, in, some of the things that have led me to the place where I am in understanding the relationship of sexuality and spirituality. Um, it, it might be some things that you are used to hearing. It might be kind of old ideas. Some of it might be new. I'm hoping there might be at least one provocative thought in there. Um, if not, it'll be just nice to be reminded of of uh, these things to help us focus a little bit on um, sexuality and spirituality. So I'm going to I'm, I'm going to talk about these ideas: God, eros, sexuality, gender, spirituality, sex. So none of those are particularly boring. Um, so uh, I could be boring talking about them, but when I get boring, you just you know fantasize there. Okay? <laughs> And then we'll all have a great spiritual experience. (laughs) All right. So I'm going to put out some of the ideas uh, that have developed, helped me develop in this way through through my lifetime. Um, As I began thinking about this and really became um, aware of some early feminist theologians that changed my understanding of God and Um, my own experience of who I am. The first is that we are created in and for and of relationship. So I start with this claim, and everything um, that I understand about God and about being human um, comes out of this basic understanding about our existence, that interrelationship is the fundamental truth of our existence. And, that of, um, and in that, the fundamental truth of who God is. So none of us come into being on our own. Anyone here just appear on your own? <laughs> yeah, none of us, right? Even if, we, if, even if we came out of test tubes, we came from some other person. And none of us continue to exist on our own, yeah. Right? We are dependent on each other. Sometimes we like to try to forget that or we like to try to deny that. Um, But it's a fundamental truth we cannot escape even when we um, pretend it doesn't exist. So that to me is fundamental about God and about human beings. Relationship. Our dependence on one another. So related to that idea is this notion that God is love. Now, um, I understand that to mean that God is love, not that God loves, right? Because to say God loves is to say that God is something other than love that then does something called love. You got it? So God is love. God is love. God is the power of relationship. God with us. And love is relational by definition, right? I love you, right? It's between the I and the you. 
right? Love assumes two. It's a relationship between at least two. So to say that um, God is love is to say that God is that relational spirit that binds us and draws us to one another. It, God then is our deepest desire and our greatest power. We try to understand uh, in, in Christianity and in the history of uh, Christian tradition, we try to understand this thing called love that is God um, and the different ways that love manifests itself. We've given names to, uh, these, to this love, and some of these names may be foreign to you. Some might be familiar. So one is agape. You know that? It's uh, traditionally understood as God's love. Another is philia. Anyone know what philia is? Yeah? What? Brotherly love. There you go. What's storage? Do you know that one? Yeah. Anybody know what that is? Storage? It's uh, familial love. Yeah, so we don't hear that very much, do we? Uh, another one is eros. What is eros? Erotic love, right? What I would suggest to you is that, you know, sometimes I think we, um, we separate these. We make them even oppositional so that sometimes you hear that erotic love is opposed to agape love. Like, it, you know, something about the erotic needs to be feared or um, understood as not God. But if they're love and God is love, then they are all God, right? Which means the erotic is God. Erotic love is also God because God is love. So God then is arising uh, from the creative, empowering, binding, life-giving spirit that is love and is also erotic. Which means love is embodied. So the most basic way we experience love is through our bodies, right? Through our feelings, our emotions, that's a bodily sensation, through our activities, our actions, just moving, right? That's how we experience uh, love. We know love through touch, by being held, by being tended to. We know love primarily through our bodies, so I wonder if you might, um, here I'm going to try, Nick, not to drop this other thing. Um, technology. I'm not sure it goes with the erotic very well. but. Um, okay, well, never mind, perhaps. <laughs> Sweetheart, they're embarrassing me. <laughs> okay, um, Wendy, will you help me with something? So I'm going to invite you to this exercise. It's a really simple exercise. Oh, you know what? I'm going to need someone to hold the mic. Uh Thank you, Nick. (laughs) All right. You guys can hear me okay, right? So this is an exercise to just get us in touch with our bodies as um, vessels of energy and spirit and love. Okay? So you can either just watch or you can participate You can do what you like, but the first part of the exercise is to simply put your hands together in front of you, in front of the center of your being, 
and see if you can begin to feel the center of your spirit of God within you moving through your body and then through your hands just like your blood is rushing through you imagine that spirit just forming this ongoing circle Now I'm going to ask you to turn to your in, inward to your tables, so you're facing your tables, so that you can form a circle. And the next part of this exercise is this. And you might want to watch Wendy and I before we do this. So you put one palm down and one palm up, right? So that everybody, you don't touch each other. You hold those palms about... Just a little bit, just hover. And it, when I um, do that for a little while, and then I'll give you a cue and say, I'll uh, invite you to touch each other. Now, if, you, uh, um, if it's too risky for you to do that, or if you're uncomfortable, or you don't have hands with which you can touch each other, you might indicate to your neighbor how you would like to participate, right? So you hold your hands, get closer and closer, and imagine the energy and spirit from your body passing to the body of your neighbor. And now let yourself gently touch. Relax into the hand of your neighbor. When you are ready, if you would, just um, share with yourself a little bit about what it's like to touch. And when you're ready to release that touch, please feel free to. And then maybe turn to your neighbor and share what it's like to be touched in that kind of slow and gentle and intentional way. What I imagine is that for some of you, that was uncomfortable. And for some of you, that was quite easy. Was it, anyone want to acknowledge that it was uncomfortable? Especially if you didn't know your neighbor, right? Right? Yeah. So touching is something we long for. I think we long both to receive the touch and to touch. 
I think at our core, we have a deep need to love and to be loved, right? To both give and receive. And perhaps that um, love is, and that kind of embodied um, love is most um, apparent to us in our most intimate sexual relationships, where we open our bodies and our most vulnerable selves. When we open ourselves in that way to one another, at its best anyway. Throughout uh, the history of Christianity, Christians have insisted, and I think we forget this often, but we've insisted on the importance of body, right? Uh, Christianity does not uh, claim that human beings are disembodied souls kind of floating around, right, looking for a place to land in in a place of flesh and blood, but that they are actually bodies. We, our body, mind, soul, spirits, it's all of one. It can't be separated even though we tend to (laughs) use that language, right? We, we talk about them as if they're separate, but the truth is there is no soul without a body, no body without a spirit, right? No person without a body. Anybody met a person without a body? It kind of goes together, right? Um, In the, in the tradition of Christianity, Christ is God incarnate, right? Incarnate, made flesh, made a body. God values bodies. And care for bodily needs has always been important. Feed the hungry, clothe the naked, heal the sick. Because bodily life and relationship is what it means to be created in the image of God. Our central rituals are about bodily functions, eating, right, and in communion, bathing in baptism, right? These are bodily functions that are central to how we understand um, what's valuable and important and sacred. So all persons are bodied, and the body is good. I would say human sexuality is an expression of God as love. Human sexuality, sexuality is our bodily experience of desire, desire for intimate relationship with another. And that I would say that that desire and that passion for one another is God, right? That is God. God's image moving in and through us. God's power, erotic power. Eros. Now, how many of us were brought up to believe uh, that there was something sinful about the erotic? Right? (laughs) That uh, flesh is bad and the source of all of our sins, right? If we could just get past the temptations of the body, we'd be good. But what I'm suggesting, the Christian tradition actually teaches that the body is sacred and good and that sexuality is is at its core about our need and desire for relationship both with God and with one another and therefore is sacred and good and godly. So God is the power of the of eros, our deepest desire for 
God, for communion with God, and for each other. Erotic power is God's power, and it can be used for the greatest good you can imagine and for the most horrendous evil. Now, we can't, I think, talk about the power of God as erotic power or the power of human sexuality without talking about how it becomes also distorted and broken. I think that the most fundamental way that sexuality is distorted is by the category of gender. I think because of the vulnerability of this desire for one another, of our um, openness to one another, uh, and the immense power of this, we, we get fearful. I think this passion can overwhelm us and a desire for loving connection can turn to this sort of desperation to possess another, to objectify the other, and then live in out of our brokenness and our fragmentation. This can lead us to the pornographic, right? To the exploitation of relationship, to the violence of relationship. So one of the basic distortions, I believe, is the gender binary distortion. And by that I mean the simple classification of some of us as male and some of us as female. I suggest that um, this is a, is a distortion, right? A distortion of how we were intended as created, embodied, uh, beautiful bodies, minds, and spirits. So we... We've classified people as male and female, and we've attributed all kinds of qualities to one side and all kinds of qualities to another. So one way uh, traditionally of thinking about this is that uh, male and female are about sex, not the activity of sex, but sex as a biological given of how our bodies are created, right? That's one way of thinking about this. There's male and then there's female. And along with that way of thinking is often that men have certain innate natural characteristics or qualities and females have certain innate natural uh, particular qualities. And I think that uh, gender as a uh, construct is one of the first ways we try to classify people. And I know many of you here have pronouns on your uh, name tags because you're aware of the way that we are breaking down some of the gender categories and how some of our assumptions about that has been, have been problematic. Um, so one way is to think that, there's, that these are natural kind of qualities. Another is that What's natural is male and female bodies, and that this is all a construct, right? The characteristics are a construct. But another way to think about it, and one that um, I have found to be particularly uh, helpful in making sense of my community and my world, is that all of this is a construct. That really, God's creation has a lot more variety than male and female. Um, not only humans, but all kinds of species 
have more variety than that can be easily classified as male or female. Our bodies come in all kinds of shapes and sizes and colors with all kinds of genitalia and other kinds of physical features. That makes this classification all about trying to say who's more valuable than the other. So in this, this side generally gets counted as preferable, right? Let's be rational, not emotional, right? So our task uh, then, um, well, let me, let me back up a little bit. Sometimes I, um, sometimes I think our culture has so distorted this aspect of our bodily life, this sort of, of how we might be fully in our bodies in a vast array of God's creation, right? Fully erotic power, I mean, fully in touch with that within us. Sometimes I think we've so distorted it that we simply can't imagine what it would be like to live in a, in a life uh, in communion with God and others in a way that was a fully embodied spiritual presence. What I know uh, is that I'm certain it's not the kind of uh, bodily touch that happens or the bodily experience that happens in sexual harassment. I know it's not that. I know it's not the shaming of bodies that look a particular way. Um, I I know that it's um, not about uh, fitting into a certain kind of clothing or wearing your hair a certain kind of way, right? Or using others for our own pleasure. I know it's not that. But I have a hard time imagining what it would look like for us all to be um, at home in our bodies, at home in our sexuality, and living in this kind of embodied life. So what does a just and loving expression of God as erotic power look like? If God is love and erotic love is love and godly, what does God as erotic power and a, and a spirituality of erotic power actually look like? Do you have any ideas? Have you ever had a, ever had a glimpse of it? Freedom? Did you say erotic power? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about the times when when uh, orgasm comes in the context of a, of a deeply loving, intimate experience with another, when you are most, that is holy, right? Now, there are times when it's not, but we get glimpses of what's possible. Or when we hold our child in our arms, right? There are moments when we, get, when we get some idea of it. I think another piece of it is, how do we practice um, a kind of spirituality that has us becoming at home in our bodies? Maybe that's a way we can slowly get there. What does an embodied worship look like? What does embodied spirituality look like? Any ideas about that? What does embodied spirituality look like? 
maybe sitting around the table eating, drinking, right? Enjoying company. Other ideas? Yeah? Go ahead. Play and fun, uh-huh. I think of mindfulness, like slowing down enough to pay attention to what's happening, checking in a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just paying attention, right? Paying attention to how we move and how we interact. I think when I think about embodied spirituality, I like I can't think past like self-love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like how many of us can like stand in front of the mirror and say, man, this is great, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Look at that. Look at that lump there. That's so wonderful. Uh, I can't do that. I can't do it. I try. I know it's valuable, but I can't do it. Yes? Um, when I think of embodied spirituality, I think of it transcending the body I'm in. So like recognizing like transcending the body I'm in enough to recognize like its role because like, so something you were saying was um, like we are our bodies, but I don't fully agree with that. Like in the sense of saying like our bodies help us to uh, recognize what's inside of our bodies, but like, because it's, it's but the, the way in which we go about the world experiencing things, like we only experience this world and create this world within our bodies, right? Um, so th- th- in this way, the body is important. But like, if you talk about like the temple and the body being the temple, it isn't the temple that's important. But it's the altar, you know. So like, the altar of the body would be like the the seat, like the heart, the soul, you know, these things. And like, so for me, embodying spirituality is recognizing like, yes, I must take care of my temple. Yes, I must do these things. But that's because my temple is sacred because it carries this very sacred thing inside of me, right? And so it's recognizing that one day, like, this body will not. <laughs> Right, this body will not be, but the energy and the soul and the spirit that is inside of me still will, you know, and that like, and 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 it's and it's growing that spirit inside of me and using this body to grow that spirit inside of me in order to in order for it to like make safe passage to where it needs to go next. Yeah, I I I hear that, and I think what I would add to that though is that we need to understand it as all of one piece, right? So your spirit and your body are, are more of one piece than that. Uh, so that they, they're not as separate as that can be. And I think, that, I think one of the places we, that you lift up that we do get really kind of confused, I don't know, it's not confused is the right word, but when we get to the point of death, that's where we think, like, does the soul live on? Does the body live on? You know, I mean, Christianity argues that both live on. Scientifically, both of them do, right? That's what I'm saying. Scientifically, both of them do live on, right? Energy doesn't go away, whether it's in our bodies or uh, it, just, it lives on, right? Yeah, yeah, thank you. And I would say, too, that um, if I think of embodied spirituality, is really... My body talks to me. Mm-hmm. If I quiet, stay quiet uh-huh. enough to listen to it, uh-huh. that there's a wisdom there um, to, to slow down or uh, 
pay attention. Pay, right, mm -hmm. you know, like I could feel myself drawn in, mm -hmm. and, you know, what, what's my body telling me, you know, it's like, like for sadness or, and to allow space for that. And yeah, because I think our body yeah. talk talks to us all the time. Mm -hmm. Right. We don't pay attention to ourselves. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, as a uh, as a deeply spiritual gay man, I have a real I have a challenge in, in embodying the sexual part. Mm -hmm. I uh, I was in a um, relationship with a uh, with a friend for a long time. It was a deeply you know a spiritual experience sexually, um, and that ended seven or eight years ago, and so since that time, it's just been trying, you know, I don't even tell people I'm gay <laughs> most of the time, because it's like, because the, the spiritual part of myself is the most important part, and so it's, as I've, as I've moved through my life, you know, coming out to people, and everybody knows I'm gay, but it's like, I don't really talk about it, but it's, it, you know, I, I deeply desire a relationship, you know, yeah. a, a husband, and, and it's like, but I'm not even at a point where I can, like, be comfortable with myself mm -hmm. as a sexual being to open up to being with someone else. I think being comfortable with ourselves is a big piece of that, and trying to heal the divide between uh, spirituality and sexuality. But also, you remind me of something else that I think is important, which is we are sexual beings whether or not we have sex, mm -hmm. right? So we are sexual beings, even if we're not having sex, even if we don't have that intimate relationship at this point, we still desire relationship of all kinds, right? So it's not about being sexually involved with someone. Well, I think, I, I hope that um, you've gotten some things to, to ask questions about, to think about, you know, you might, you probably don't agree with half of what I said, and that's fine, because the conversation is what's important, and focusing on these questions, I think, is what's... Um, but I do think um, we have to practice our desire for God, or for whatever it is that calls us to our spiritual center, and becoming at home in our bodies, and respecting the bodies of others, and knowing that our sexuality is not opposed to our spirituality, but can be a deep expression of love. And love is God. Thank you.